Hello and welcome to Mental Awakening, the podcast that explores all topics related to trauma recovery, mental health, chronic pain, and healing. I'm your host, Sarah DeKeely, psychotherapist and mental health social worker. And in this episode, I will speak about health, healing, and neuroplasticity, exploring the brain's amazing ability to adapt and change. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode with me. It's good to be back. In this episode, I want to talk about health and healing from my own experience and also talking a bit about the meaning of neuroplasticity. What is neuroplasticity? So this is uh, something that's, that's a fairly new discovery in the world of brain science and I don't know if you have ever watched some of these incredible stories or, you know, shows about people who recover from some horrific traumatic injuries, whether it's a brain injury or a stroke or anything, you know, that's traumatizing. So neuroplasticity refers to this, to the brain's ability to adapt It refers to the physiological changes that happens in the brain as the result of the interactions that we have with our environment. Our brains are truly extraordinary and amazing. Unlike computers, which are built to certain specifications um, and software updates, our brains can actually receive hardware updates in addition to software updates. So when we learn something new, we create new connections between our neurons and we rewire our brain to adapt to new circumstances. And this happens on a daily basis. This happens constantly. It's really important to note that the brain is not an isolated organ. It actually works in connection with our body and our body's relationship to our external environment. So when we're learning how to talk and walk as babies, we're at, we are actually wiring together new neural pathways between our brain, our nervous system, and the muscles that help us move and create sound and hear and process language and so on. So neuroplasticity is often something that's spoken about in terms of transformations where people heal themselves and you know, they rewire the brain and the nervous system. But it's also important to note that neuroplasticity is something that can also work against us. Um, For example, addiction to different substances, activities, or even people in toxic relationships, they're all because of neuroplasticity, because we get so wired and used to a certain way of being right? So when there's a strong compulsion to maintain a certain habit and attempts to break free from that habit fail, it's the power of that existing neural pathway that's actually, you know, heavily um, ingrained and it kind of feels safer for us to remain stuck. It can be incredibly hard to change, but it's nevertheless possible. Um, when I went through my separation last, late last year, I started to experience really bad vertigo. I'm talking everything spinning. 
I used to have, um, you know, incidents where I got very sick and vomited, couldn't drive, and found it really difficult to feel grounded and stable. I, I constantly had this feeling that I was up in the air because my emotional world felt up in the air. And so the sensations and the symptoms I experienced in my body very much mirrored that. And I still have some of those symptoms, I'll be honest. I haven't fully recovered from it, but I brought it down from a 10 to a three or a four. And this is why I really wanted to make an episode about this topic because I find neuroplasticity to be incredibly powerful and something that we need to be more educated on. It takes time, absolutely. You know, often what we tend to do is we tend to as soon as we have these unwanted symptoms or sensations in our body, we want to know, why do I feel this way? Why is my body doing this? Um, is there a medical reason for this? Why can't the doctor see that? You know, it's very frustrating. The first thing we do is go to the doctor, talk to a health professional, and sometimes they can't answer these questions for us. You know, when I first went to a doctor about vertigo, they gave me medication for um, like schizophrenia, which was ridiculous. And they had no knowledge or information or understanding of what it was all about, that it had a lot to do with my nervous system. And, and, and so they just didn't know. And, and that's okay. I mean, the body is complex, you know, with physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects to its health. So, you know, doctors are skilled at investigating the physical reasons for our symptoms, but they can't always know the emotional or understand even the, the emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects to why we feel the way we do. So what we need to do is better inform ourselves about health and healing. Um, one thing that I'm no longer afraid of is unwanted sensations. I used to be anxious about sensations in my body, and now I welcome them. I tune in knowing how to tend to my emotions when I need it gives me the confidence to go about my day and my life in a much more mindful way than I used to. And so I really believe that when it comes to health and healing, the key is to practice to look within, trusting or building a relationship with your body where you can trust that your body is firing neurons in a particular way for a particular reason. There's a reason why this is happening. And even though you might not understand it in that moment or at that particular point in time, with self-study, with compassionate self-awareness and a practice in self-kindness, we can actually reveal different layers of our inner knowing that help us understand the neural patterns and sensations that we're physically experiencing. I think when it comes to this stuff, it's important also to talk about chronic stress because we're living in a world with constant 24-7 demands, deadlines, overstimulation, um, constant thinking, constant activation of the nervous system. So eventually what's, you know, stressful 
might be perceived as a minor threat to the overall safety of the system, and it kind of gets registered as, oh, well, this is just the norm, this is how it is. But over time, the body's system starts to learn how to exist at a completely different baseline. And it's a very gradual thing and occurs over a long period of time. The changes in the neural pathways are less obvious. So we become used to living and behaving and thinking a certain way that actually makes things worse. What's interesting is that if you use your right brain, activate the right side of your brain, which is that creative brain, you can actually um, benefit so much more. You can rewire your brain with neuroplasticity so much faster when you're actually creative. So when you're traveling or exposing your brain to different stimulation or new environments, opening up new pathways and activity in the brain, when you're learning a musical instrument that actually increases connectivity between brain regions and helps you form new neural networks, when you're expanding your vocabulary, maybe learning a new language or creating artwork that enhances the connectivity of the brain, um, and can boost memory, even empathy, attention, focus, mindfulness, dancing, you know, which reduces the risk of Alzheimer's and increases neural connectivity. Um, so things that really help us to be present and mindful and to be in the state of enjoyment, in the state of curiosity, engagement, focus, these are all really beneficial for us. Another thing that's important to note is that we tend to label unwanted feelings or sensations in our body, such as pain, depression, anxiety, as abnormalities rather than viewing them as normal, you know, viewing them as effective ways in which our body is communicating to us. If you're not listening to your body, no one is. Yeah, it can sound a bit weird, but feeling the full spectrum of our emotions is actually normal. You know, whether it's jealousy, hostility, grief, sadness, loneliness, joy, anxiety, you know, all of these emotions carry messages of wisdom. And they really do teach us something about ourselves. It can also be emotions and that are or sensations that are triggered by something external, whether it's a sound whether it's another person. When we learn to connect with our inner world and support our emotional selves, we can actually think more clearly and function in a much more efficient way in the external world. And this is something that often gets um, dismissed because we're taught culturally to buy this pill or buy that device or rely, rely on someone external to fix us. And we can also fall into the trap of shaming ourselves, hiding from what we feel, judging ourselves, you know, not even acknowledging where we're at. And so a really good perception or perspective to have around that is to tell yourself, you know, I'm allowed to feel this way. My body's communicating with me. My body needs something. I'm wondering what it needs. And I can find support for this. It's normal to feel this way. I've got this. 
you know, culturally, we're very much trained to suppress our emotions and display only pleasant feelings to other people. You know, don't cry, calm down, don't get angry, you know, don't be sad. But that way of treating ourselves is incredibly unkind and it can become quite overwhelming, you know, when we run away from our feelings and emotions, when we don't like how we feel, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, we've become conditioned to, to run away from discomfort. And yet, you have to feel it to heal it. I've said that many times. I know for myself, I've had to sit with, and I'm still sitting with some incredibly uncomfortable sensations, feelings, you know. When we're in those symptomatic moments, some of the neurons that I've experienced have been firing patterns of dizziness, nausea, ringing in my ear, spinning, rocking, swaying, buzzing, you know. And these are all uncomfortable sensations that just made me realize I do not feel right. The physicians, the doctor, there was very little they could do. They just basically gave me tablets or medications to to just deal with the symptoms. But the problem is that medication can't change neurons for you. Your family members can't do that. Doctors can't do that. No one can change your neurons for you. Even though I had a brilliant physiotherapist who supported me, she couldn't change the neurons for me either. Only I had to change the neurons from within. So self-study is incredibly important when it comes to health and healing. Patience, self-kindness, and self-compassion are essential to neuroplasticity. We're not going to be able to build neural pathways um, unless we're feeling relaxed and at ease. It really is about being patient with yourself and trusting that the sensations that you're experiencing in your body carry important messages for you. And both pleasant and unpleasant sensations, they come and go. It's not something that we're meant to control. And so it's really about becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. When it comes to health and healing, it's important to note that medical professionals, doctors, health professionals, they can be your investigation assistants. Yeah, They can assist you in gathering important knowledge about your body, but they cannot necessarily heal you. Healing is something that comes from within us. Healing is something that has to do with your energy and with your power, your authentic power. We get separated from this power from childhood. I've spoken about this in previous episodes. What empowers us when we are authentically ourselves, when we speak our truth, when we implement boundaries, when we let go of the things that no longer serve us, the trauma narratives, the responsibility of carrying other people on our shoulders or their lessons, their emotional needs. When we let go of our conditioning, we tap into our power, our authentic power. One of the things that I've come to recognize in my own life and through the work that I've been doing is that power is the fundamental ingredient of the human experience. When you have power from within you, everything will naturally respond to that internal power from within. And I'm not referring to egoic power. I'm referring to authentic power. In my own life, 
so far in my own professional world, I've spent decades in the company of some incredibly wonderful people from all over the place, listening to their stories and truly marveled at the journey of every person, their challenges, their talents, their accomplishments, the many wonders that make up the gift, you know, the gift of being a human. One of the things that people mostly describe to me in their struggles is their times of disempowerment. This is the thing that we all have in common. The details will change, but the path of the disempowerment, that feeling inside is identical. And so that's why I truly believe and have come to recognize that power, internal power, is the key to our healing. I've come to see this even in my own life, the growth and the opportunity of really recognizing and implementing this, you know, reparenting process. Learning to reparent ourselves is what gets us closer to our authentic power. There are so many mystic stories about how the human soul has been forced through rigorous circumstances to become more powerful than the outside obstacles. For example, Buddha sat in meditation under a tree for 40 days waiting for enlightenment. He was determined, as the story goes, to detach from the hold of the outside world and how that outside world had this hold on his body and on his mind. And so healing is pretty much a tug of war between what science and medicine believe to be true about a health condition and how empowered you believe you can become from within. So this is something that requires the capacity to detach like Buddha from the illusion that challenges your belief that you can heal. Getting to such a clear inner faith requires a level of awareness, a level of consciousness, a level of desire. It's not something that you can ever force on a person. It comes from within them. You either want to do it or you don't. Every day, all of us get into a tug of war about different things. We get into power plays traffic jams, financial fears, you know, we live in a world that is incredibly uncertain. All kinds of things can hit us from relationship challenges to health challenges to things happening to the people that we love. And so it's really important to pay attention to this tug of war within you. How much power is drained from you? and what your weaknesses and illusions are. Because when you stop knowing yourself, when you stop getting curious about what your weaknesses are, what your illusions are, what are the narratives I get caught up in every day? What are the things that raffle, you know, un unsettle me and raffle my feathers? What are the things that make me lose my power, my center? Really reviewing this tug of war because that's when you really start to recognize what's going on inside of you. Power is your fundamental ingredient. 
Every word you say is a power tool. Every thought, every emotion, every idea, every decision you make, every action you take, everything you choose to believe about yourself either empowers you or disempowers you. So when you lose power, internal power, your health will naturally get impacted. Losing power is losing health. Remember that. Losing power is losing health. What makes me lose my power? Okay? Something to um, reflect on. Now, if we go back to neuroplasticity, this is what neuroplasticity is all about. It's all about what you focus on. So the reason focusing on getting rid of symptoms does not work is that your focus directs which neurons and neurotransmitters are most repeatedly being stimulated. People who are focused on getting rid of symptoms are more likely to feel disempowered and continue to experience their sensations. I'll give you an example. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I still receive or I still have symptoms of vertigo. And so when they come on, what I do is I just tell myself, oh, it's interesting. I don't feel quite right. Okay, what do I need right now? I start to tune in words. What's going on for me mentally, emotionally, spiritually? When I'm, when I'm talking about spiritual connection, I'm always referring to your relationship with yourself, your relationship with the world around you. What am I telling myself? It could be that I have a million things going in my head I'm not fully present. It could be that I'm actually really physically tired and in need of slowing down, in need of a nap, in need of body scanning and just becoming present and tuning into my body. As soon as I start to slow down, tune in words and even tell myself, it's okay for me to feel the way I am. I don't always have to feel good. I let go of these, you know, universal limiting beliefs that my body should always be healthy. My body should always be good. My body is always a reflection of my internal emotional world, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And I have come to accept that. I'm okay with that. So whenever we we start to focus on the symptom, we're actually making it worse for ourselves. Being a victim will strengthen those feelings of hopelessness and those hopelessness pathways in your brain and make you feel more like a victim. So really noticing what is my default internal setting? Because that's how you can start to make a different choice, right? That's how you can start to realize and recognize I'm not a victim. I can take my power back by exploring my internal world and beginning a self-study process. You don't have to master this stuff straight away. You don't have to be a master at neuroplasticity. This stuff takes time. What you need is to be patient with yourself and not judging this process. Permission to be a beginner, even if it's for a lifetime, is the most loving thing you can do for yourself. Growing with openness to what you feel each moment. If this is how my body is right now, that's okay. Symptoms come and go, no big deal, right? 
symptoms disappear and become replaced by a different sensory experience when we learn to feel at home within ourselves. You know, I've heard clients say to me, this is never going to go away. I feel my symptoms constantly. Why can I get rid of this? Why am I like this? And every time I hear that, I always remind them, notice this voice inside your head that is close-minded, that is rigid, that is inaccurate, that is afraid. Notice this voice is really just trying to protect you by seeking answers for you. But it's not helpful. It's just a vulnerable part of you, often connected to that inner child that's afraid, seeking reassurance. And then all you've got to do is, again, practice this reparenting process. You're not powerless. You can't always 24-7 be or feel anything. Our bodies, bodies are constantly changing each moment. And this voice is really just coming from that fearful self, fearful child, or even the critical self. You know, it's trying to keep you from making mistakes. It's trying to prevent things from getting worse. We form this voice internally from childhood. But by hearing it, you can choose if you want to listen to it or not. Just because you think something doesn't mean it's true. Our thoughts are not facts. Not all voices in your head are helpful. And this is why awareness of this inner voice will help you to take back control, help you feel more empowered. So the first thing is to really believe that change is possible and that you don't always have to feel great in your body. This is an expectation that is unrealistic. The next thing is, like I mentioned before, tuning in. What is my body trying to tell me? Noticing your thoughts, noticing your sensations. Begin to train your body and your mind to change in a particular way that is really focused on the sensation that you want to experience, not the sensation that you're experiencing. And I understand and acknowledge that this is tricky. Of course it is. It takes practice. I'm practicing every day. The process of neuroplasticity is incredibly empowering and moving. I'm telling you from personal experience that it's given me great hope to keep going. Feeling calm, steady, peaceful is becoming the, this wonderful thing. It's like a reward that I get from within. Practicing was rewarding in itself because it felt good to have a daily practice where I tune into my desired sensations, where I body scan, I allow the sensations that I'm experiencing to be as they are, I breathe through them, I shower myself with some self-compassion, I reduce and remove judgment. And so if there's one thing I can leave you guys with is that the world of healing and feeling is not logical. You might be choosing to distract yourself, to keep busy, to numb yourself, to medicate, when what you really desire is to slow down, to pause, and to start feeling your inner world in a way that is safe. You can tell your brain, you can teach your brain, hey, it's all good, we can feel this stuff, we can be uncomfortable, no need to 
you know, alarm me. No need to go into fight and flight. It's all good. I've got this. So I really invite you guys to create space for your new neural pathways to develop without judgment, without deadlines, or this has to happen by this time, because the neuroplasticity process is really a combination of mental, emotional, spiritual aspects of change. It is a whole integrated process. It's not linear. And you need to go through it yourself. No one else can do it for you. No one else can help you build this state of steadiness, calm, and confidence from within. You can have support. I'm a professional and I help people with this stuff all the time. Absolutely, nothing wrong with getting support. But the actual daily work has to be something that you commit to from within. It's an individual process. Some people get it very quickly. For other people, it takes time. What really matters is that you ask yourself, do I believe that it's safe for me to feel my sensations? Do I believe in my ability to heal? Will I be patient and give myself time to heal? What do I actually believe in? I'll be honest, until people you know, learn about this process of neuroplasticity, they often feel quite disempowered and stuck. They don't really know what to do. They feel hopeless. They rush things and then they say, oh, it doesn't work for me anyway. And I always say to them, let's slow it down. Let's go back. We need to actually incorporate and embrace a new way of living from scratch. Building a daily practice that helps you notice your habits and patterns in your life, your internal world and how you speak to yourself, becoming conscious and self-aware, you know, becoming open and compassionate. This is all part of neuroplasticity. Intentionally choosing which neuropathways you build more of by making these the center of your daily practice. Avoidance behavior is not what helps us in this. Neuroplasticity is not about what you do or how often you do it, but how you feel when you're doing it. For those of you who don't know, I do have um, a couple of meditations on the Insight Timer app that I recommend you look up. All you have to do is do a search under my name. There is a body scan. That body scan on a daily basis can be very helpful because it allows you to release tension with curiosity. Notice your thoughts. Notice what's going on inside your body. For me personally, the thing that has really supported me through my both emotional as well as physical and mental challenges has been to shower myself with self-compassion. Put my hand on my heart, tune into the feeling, feelings of whatever it is, whether it's panic in the middle of the night, whether it's loneliness, anxiety, sadness, grief, anger, feeling it all and then releasing, letting it go. Allowing it to come and allowing it to go. Sometimes healing looks like sitting down and bowling your eyes out. And that's absolutely okay. Same thing with physical pain. Learning to lean into the sensation and communicating messages of safety to your brain is the best thing you can do. Maybe just by even 
accepting it, surrendering to it. There's a sense of ease that can come on. What am I noticing as I do this? So again, I want to leave you guys with this. I know I said I'm going to leave you guys with one thing, but then I kept babbling. But this is it. This is it, guys. When we feel powerless, we make powerless choices. When we feel empowered, we're in a position to make empowered choices. Every choice we make begins with us first referring to our own sense of power. And whether we perceive ourselves as safe or as victimized, as victorious, as respected, as loved, as alone, as abused, as entitled, whatever it could be, True power lies in taking control of your perceptions and your capacity to control the illusions, right? So, few questions to reflect on. What is false for me? What is real for me? What choices do I make that elevate me, make me feel good, make me feel liberated? What thoughts make me feel good? What states of being makes me feel good? How do I decide what has power for me? What disempowers me? What is true inner power for me? What makes me suffer? What makes me feel good? If I heard an inner command, am I free enough to act on it? Or do I need the confirmation and the reassurance and the approval of others? Do I trust myself? What would I need to do to trust myself? What would it take for me to trust myself? How would it feel to trust myself? What do I need to practice and implement to trust myself? To trust in my ability to heal, in my ability to say no, in my ability to be real, to be honest, to be truthful, to be myself? These are a couple of questions that I encourage you to reflect on. All right, guys, I'm going to leave it there for today. My apologies if the sound hasn't been the best today. I made the mistake of leaving the microphone next to a fan. <laughs> um, I will be more mindful next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to speaking to you guys again in a couple of weeks with a brand new episode. If you like this episode, please do leave me a review on Apple Podcast as it will help others access the information shared. And if you would like to work with me, please contact me on mentalawakening.com.au. Until next time, take care, everybody. Bye for now.